0: The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Corella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I'm joined by my co-host Dave.
1: Welcome back, Dave. How's it going? It's good to be back, buddy. It's been uh, like three weeks or whatever. I know it's a long long time. I know it's only been two episodes, but
0: it seems like forever, man. People are asking about you. They are. I mean, yeah, like you know, people. I'm I'm telling you, the audience is divided because you have the. Half of the fans who are like the music industry purists who are like, oh, I just want more music industry advice. I'm glad Dave's gone. Then you have the other half that are like, you suck without Dave, and you know it's uh, it's 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 a weird environment.
1: I will say, if, if with me not here, it is a show essentially about CD Baby and um, the DIY blog, and TuneCore hypebot. Co- yeah, I mean that's essentially it. It's just a never-ending. Revolving door of those folks. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I feel like it's just a cabal of all of you. Like, hey guys, uh, should we talk about anything else except our articles? Nope. Okay, good. (laughs) It's kind of just one big circle jerk. It it, it is a big (laughs) circle jerk you know just you guys oh, just uh you know trying to be your own music industry really
0: what do you do you just you just blew the lid on the whole operation we all have this conspiracy going where we just cite each other's stuff and you just completely blew the lid on yeah, it yeah yeah
1: you get pissed off at sony warners and uh you know universal for having their cabal of people and keeping people down, but you guys are just doing the same exact thing. You just want to be in that position. Yeah. Are you just accusing this podcast of just recycling the stuff of others? Oh, by the way,
0: we got our tweet of the week this week. Well, I <laughs> do have this
1: footage of you with your pants on fire.
0: It's <laughs> a good reference for anybody who knows that. Um, welcome back, Dave. You can get in touch with the podcast Thanks. by reaching out to us at when we try
1: that again. Ot. 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 Steve Ott, uh, hockey player. I'm not All used right. to having a second person here. It's anyway, a while. it's been you want to g- do it. You want to do it. You well, know. it's been a fun show, folks. Thanks very much for joining us on the Break the Business Podcast. No. Oh, you okay, can no? rate, review, and subscribe, subscribe to, to the us break. on iTunes. <laughs> iTunes, yeah, iTunes. Brute, you five keep, stars. Keep going, yeah? Five stars only. Uh, five stars only, please. Five stars only. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. And where stars. can they contact us? Uh let's see. I think it's BreakTheBusiness at gmail.com. Follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan K A R. Follow me on Twitter at MetalDave85. Uh I mean, is there anything else? Is this thing still available on Stitcher or it is iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. CISO, Hal FM, no? Okay. CISO, that'd be cool. That'd be awesome. But Right?
0: I, um, something tells
1: me you don't do the exterior corporation. The
0: Break the Business audiobook is coming out i've been saying june 2nd but apparently there's a review process for the amazon exchange and so it might not be june 2nd but hang in there we're gonna find out the date
1: so when, when is it
0: we don't know it's as long as it takes for them to review the content make sure there's nothing objectionable in there i guess
1: oh no you're screwed Well, oh, yeah it's true uh, you didn't know this but i grabbed hold of the uh original the master and i inserted some stuff in there just some foul quite lewd and lascivious things no it's it's not good
0: well once we get all of those terrible terrible things that you put in those masters out we'll have that audiobook now be
1: prepared to be sued by a bunch of organizations that have the word family values in them oh that's okay I don't, I don't mind making an enemy
0: of them. Our guest this week, uh, we're happy to have on a friend of the show, Elena. She's been on the show before. She's a Nashville based singer songwriter. She's wonderful. She's so talented. She's got a great fan base. Her new EP, Wicked City, comes out June 9th. She's going to talk to us about that EP
1: and talk mm. to us about crowdfunding. Hey, the Predators.
0: What about the Predators?
1: The Nashville Predators in the oh. Stanley Cup final Monday. Are they? Really? Yeah, against the Penguins. What are you? <laughs> under a rock? <laughs> i really hon- this guy doesn't know the stanley cup finals
0: honest to god i didn't even know that the stanley cup finals were going on right now they're not they start tomorrow well i didn't know like you could have told me that the stanley cup finals were six months away and i would have been
1: like yeah all right makes sense well that's dumb because that's then the season's already started next year in november but again that's how little hockey i'm following i drove home. through tennessee on the way home oh yeah yeah
0: okay yes yes Before before we get into all the great music industry stuff this week and I know we'll talk about more of what you've been up to in further detail in the third block. Can you give us a taste, like where you've been, what you've been up to, man?
1: Um, not much.
0: Why? You've been out for two weeks. You've been traveling.
1: No, I've I been I've been looking at your Twitter timeline. What are you you've been doing about? all this
0: cool stuff. You've been oh going my to go- these dude, concerts. What? what are you
1: talking about? I've been here the whole time. Lies. You don't, you don't remember I was on the show for two weeks? Don't gaslight me, man. Dude, that's that hurts. After all this time, that hurts. I mean, I was wondering why like, you were you really, like... I was thinking, like, is he mad at me? Because he's not acknowledging me. He's not, like... You know, he's taking down my stuff from the board. It's a little weird. I felt a little like Bruce Willis in Sixth Sense. You know? I don't know what's going on, man. If you were here last It's week, all the dust from the renovations is getting to you. Oh, yeah. It's the have...
0: asbestos. <gasps> it's
1: the asbestos.
0: This house is old enough that it might actually have asbestos. <laughs> yes. Um, But we, we have been renovating the house. It's been very cool. But... Come on, what have you been up to? Fine, you know what, fine. You, I, I, gave you, I gave you a forum that you could talk about yourself, and I thought you'd be all over it, but no. Fine, let's just go into uh, the, the stuff this week. That's fine. What stuff? Well, the first thing we want to talk about is our Tweet of the Week. When you were gone, David, last week, we started this new thing called the Tweet of the Week.
1: Oh really? That's so cool! Interesting. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Lie. No, but I knew that exactly because I was sitting over here. That's right. Of course. Yeah. No. Come on. Keep,
0: commit, man. <laughs> yes. We uh, uh, yes. We 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 highlight one awesome, cool music industry tweet from somebody out right. there in the world. Who it's, was last week's? Last week, Ari Hurston. He was a Had guest of the show, right? Me. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, this week is uh, our tweet of the week is from Carrie Cole.
1: Carrie, that name sounds familiar. Uh, she's also been on the show before. So my opening point, uh, sort of evidence, is mounting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is a little bit like that. Well, of course I'm going we in in terms of the tweet of the week selection process, which is an exhaustive process. I mean, there are many many deserving tweets each week and obviously we're going to give preference to those who have been kind enough to appear on our show
1: and give us some of our
0: time of their time. And so, you know, Oh, so
1: that they have to come on the show for for their awesome tweets to be read. That's right. Oh, uh, sorry, Donnie. You got to come on the show first. Donnie Orange 45. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the only reason we're not reading his tweets. Um, but yeah, great great tweet this week from at Carrie Cole. That's at C-A-R-I-C-O-L-E. She's a vocal coach.
1: Vocal coach? Man. Vocal coach. Wow, dude. But you know what? She's got range. <laughs> coast to coast. She's got range, man. She's
0: a vocal coach, former guest on our show. And here was her tweet from uh, yesterday. She wrote, networking at shows tonight. Keep in mind, it's never about you. It's always about them. Be more interested in others than yourself. And this is a great tweet. It's a mistake that lots of musicians make when networking. When they meet people after the show, your first urge as a musician is just to kind of want to be like, hey, let me just tell you more about the show you want to hear. But the problem is people like to talk about themselves. And there's actually a lot of science supporting Carrie Cole's tweet. Uh, Harvard University did a study a couple years ago using fMRI machines on people's brains and found that for people, answering questions about themselves resulted in greater activation of neural regions associated with motivation and reward, and they don't get those same activations when talking about others. So if you want to get people into a good mood when you're having a networking conversation with them after your show, ask them about what they're doing. Ask them about what they're up to, and it's always going to want to make them keep talking to you and eventually do business with you. But what if that
1: person is taking this advice? Ooh, then you got a problem. Then it's every then everyone has has shown up at the four-way stop at the same exact time. Yeah, then, then you're kind of stuck in a feedback loop where they're like, you know, so yeah. tell me about your so, work. No, it's like, okay, oh, you're on my right, you go. The like, guy's like, well, you're on my right, you go. Well, no, you're on my right, so you go. And they're there forever and, and you die have, of old age. And you have fist fights at your <clears> concert <throat> and nobody gets to talk about anybody.
0: Well, hopefully only one of the two of you in this conversation listens to this podcast and knows of this piece of advice just, from Terry Cole, just and then be, you'll be all
1: right. Just be a human being and have a, a conversation like a human being. Talk about them, talk about you, have a back and forth and dialogue.
0: I'll see, now, had you put that in a tweet, you might have been the tweet of the week this week, but you missed your opportunity, because apparently you were too busy doing absolutely nothing for the last Star two Star
1: Wars! No, we're not doing that! All right, so that's, that's the, the greatest hit. I know, people love it. And I did buy Rogue One on Blu-ray. Yeah, and watched it. It was good. Good. Oh my God, Special so features. good. Let's 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 dig into this.
0: No, 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 no. You had your forum.
1: We no. C- come on. Lucasfilm appears on the screen. It shimmers. There's no sound. Then other text comes up in blue font. In blue, it says a long time ago, comma in a galaxy far, far away. Dot dot dot. This seems like a really detailed recap. That's there for like maybe four seconds, then fades. And instead of the normal fanfare crawl, it just goes whoop. and just goes right there, and you see uh, sort of like a, like a rings of a planet, planet like Saturn. Really cool, actually, interesting thing. And a shuttle coming down here, coming down. Then we see the shuttle again going towards the planet. Then we see the shuttle going over a uh, sort of beach landscape. Did you want to talk some more? Yes. About what? About net neutrality. Net neutrality? Yeah, man. I mean, <clears throat> it is hard to be neutral on the net. You either loved that movie or you hated that movie. Are you talking about the Sandra Bullock movie? Yes.
0: <laughs> wow. That's, God, how, how did you just pull that out? And I'll say this about Rogue One. How many times have you seen it? In the theater, I saw it six times. And then plus one on DVD right well, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, so cool. that would explain why you've al- you have already have like, you could you could probably recite all the action of that movie verbatim at this point, but please don't because I want to talk about net neutrality. Uh, on May 18th the FCC voted 2 to 1 to begin the process of rolling back an Obama-era rule that classifies internet broadband as a utility. And what does that mean? Well, by rolling back these policies, it would it could effectively eliminate what is known as net neutrality, which prevents internet service providers like Comcast and AT&T and all those other companies that we just hate because they don't respond to customer service and, you know, take forever to fix your stuff while well, I'm getting kind of personal there. It keeps those companies from prioritizing or blocking some web traffic over others and currently you can't do that FCC rules require broadband providers to treat all web traffic equally whether it's from a big company or a little humble website so why are we talking about this on the break the business podcast you might wonder because this is a big deal for independent artists everything we talk about on this podcast about how the new music industry allows indie musicians to achieve success on their own terms Without having to sign with some big label or some big content company of any kind, we t- this all this stuff exists because the internet has created a level playing field in the way that music's created, the way it's promoted, the way it's distributed. In the old days, the playing field wasn't level. And you're talking about twenty years ago, there's only so many radio stations and they're all playing the same music. There's only so many people who can put their music, you know put themselves on the Tonight Show and get access to that worldwide audience. But now the internet gives everybody access to the worldwide audience. It allows your music to be promoted and distributed yeah. easily and if you are just some indie, you know, if you're Elena and you're just an indie artist, you get the same treatment on the internet as Katy Perry does. You know, Katy Perry's stuff does, is not easier to access than your stuff is. It's not any faster or slower. But if you get rid of net neutrality, you lose that. It's a step backward for indie content creators but a big
1: boom for corporations. Oh, a huge one. Yes, which is why the current uh, sort of uh, powers that be in the government are all for it. Uh, well, oh, it's actually funny
0: is and we'll talk about this in a second because this is what makes net neutrality interesting is that yeah, there are big companies who want this like Comcast and AT&T, but yeah. there are a lot of big companies that don't. You know, Netflix for example loves net neutrality because if you hmm. get rid of net neutrality, then all of a sudden you know AT&T who maybe wants to promote their own streaming service will start slowing down Netflix to make you know them stronger and but anyway you, you wind up with a situation where ISPs like AT&T Comcast can offer big organizations a fast lane for their content at the expense of other content and so you better believe that companies like Sony and Universal in a fast lane world are going to want to give their content and thus their artists priority over somebody like Elena or any of the other indie artists we've had on this show. And when you talk about the political climate, Dave, here's where this is interesting. Net neutrality is almost universally supported by the American people. Democrats, Republicans, independents, you poll them all, their independent surveys show that everybody likes the idea of the internet being a level playing field. In fact, the cable companies recently did a study, the cable companies did, on whether people favor net neutrality and even in that poll over 60% of people supported net neutrality rules
1: probably would have been higher but i think people probably don't know what net neutrality is
0: well i mean that, that's that's probably part of it and, I, and i'm sure when the cable companies worded the survey they probably worded it in such a way to you know discourage people like yeah i mean hey other industries want to be clear channel too <laughs> do you favor net neutrality the policy known as killing and torturing puppies i'm sure and, and even then people were like yeah yeah net neutrality 60 <laughs> percent so but if there is so much support for this if even like there are republicans who favor this there's plenty of republican people in the congress who favor net neutrality so why is this happening why is this succeeding well comcast and at&t have money and they're putting people in office who agree with them and there is a president in office right now who seems to be supporting these isps and put a chair on the fcc who's kind of commandeering this rollout rollout so you as an indie artist should be upset about this. And you can fight back. The FCC.gov has a comment, because mm-hmm. uh, they're doing the comment period now. Oh, yeah, they, they open up for
1: public comment. That's yeah. right.
0: And right now, obviously, the people who want to keep net neutrality are dominating that comment process. But they're, the numbers are actually a little skewed because the ISPs are putting out these bots that are kind of just repeating over and over, yes, net neutrality, but most of those well, of accounts course.
1: are fake. Well, yeah, because they have the ability to do yeah, that. Yeah, they can do
0: that. Like, yeah. It's, you know, but... But the point is, like, you need to add yourself to this choir of voices because this is ultimately your livelihood. This whole industry that we talk about on this podcast, this new music industry works because the Internet is a level playing field. And once it ceases to be, it can be much harder for you to make a living. So Then the show's over. And yeah, basically, because I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that the ISPs, the first thing they'll do is shut our podcast down for speaking out against net neutrality.
1: Well, no, but, you know, maybe not, because, you know, like you said, you have your annual pilgrimage to CPAC. <laughs> so you could talk to your friends. <laughs> I didn't forget that while I was away. Yeah. Anyway, so. uh, when I was driving through Virginia, North Carolina, you know, and uh, Tennessee, every once in a while I saw a Ryan Carella sign. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because Ryan Carella supports CPAC.
0: And thumb, th- thumbs yeah, up, thumb, thumbs up, and smiling.
1: Yes. Man, so, God, you,
0: you reference two CPAC stories in this podcast, and then all of a sudden your coach just pegs you as a right wing radical. You are. I'm not. All right. One more thing. We're gonna bring Elena in in just a second, but I got one more story, and then we'll bring in Elena, and then you can talk about whatever you want about let's Rogue see. One or whatever in the third. Music segment.
1: report. Yeah, see, I- let's see, let that let's let's use the powers of deduction, folks. Music report. What do you think? That's it what it is? says on the board. Yeah. Call in one eight 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 eight. Break the business. Um, what do you think a music report is? Caller, you're on the air. Oh, this is where I talk. See, you didn't hook up the phone line. I did not. God damn
0: it! It's funny. I, I just realized as I wrote that down. I just wrote music report on the board. You have no idea what that could possibly mean. That, it that could was be very cryptic.
1: You're sharing with me your fourth grade music report. Yeah,
0: which um, I'm sure would be terrible.
1: Oh well, we got it right here. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> every good boy deserves fudge. Mm, that seems a little that's presumptuous. In, that's, that's, that's important. The, that doesn't seem right. And he just wrote face here. That's that's dumb. Why would you do that? Yeah. I don't, don't forget the bass Uh All cows eat grass. Uh, actually, it's Y Clef Jean. That's weird. Anyway, that's, that's a little weird. You don't know who that singer is. All right. here. Thankfully, the music report Give is Give us not your from music me. report. It's not my
0: music report, it's Music Business Worldwide's music report. There should
1: be accompanying music this like. Music report with Ryan Carilla. Go. You want to try that that again? was
0: Music Report with Ryan Carella. This is the music report. Music Business Worldwide recently completed a study in which they looked at streaming sales figures in the music industry so far in 2017. Pretty interesting analysis. We've talked a lot on this podcast about where streaming's going, how it's growing, how it's replacing downloads. So and dumb. Well, you say that, but you might be intrigued by this um, particular study. So. They looked at just the first quarter of this year and looked at streaming sales data for how much, not how much money streaming is generating, but how much money labels are making from streaming. Okay. So it's because I know there's some question as to like, okay, well, Spotify is making money, but how much is that actually going to people who own music? Well, according to the analysis from Music Business Worldwide, in the first quarter of this year, major labels have made around $9,000 every minute from streaming. That's... Twelve million dollars a day, and if you were to continue this pace and kind of extrapolate it over the year, the mu- the major labels will make five billion dollars from streaming this year. So that's is that good? Well, let's put it. I'll put it in perspective. Yeah, for let's you. say. Do they have anything against that? Um, well, well, to give you an idea, last year, all right, which was the you know the biggest year of streaming up to that date. It was the first year where streaming revenues outpaced download revenues, and thus streaming became the principal means. By which people consume recorded music, uh-huh. the number last year was only 2.9 billion. So you're looking at nearly double of label receipt of streaming revenues over year to year. And what the and and so and that five billion number is poised to grow. That is, there's not really a ceiling on that because there's only about a hundred million paying streaming customers in the world right now. So there's a huge untapped market out there. Do they?
1: Put those against numbers from maybe twenty years ago with physical music sales to see what the correlation is, like with inflation. They didn't, but if you'd like me to tell you some of that, I can. I can. Well, I, I mean, that I feel like that's that completes the picture. Otherwise, I just have some numbers without any context.
0: Well, that is a fair point. If you compare, I mean, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but if you compare those numbers to what the industry was fifteen years ago at sort of the height of CD and album sales, it's still bigger back then. I mean, the the industry is still very much recovering and is not anywhere near what it was back in 1999, 2000 when it was at its peak. You'd think someone would have uh, did their homework and got this.
1: Luckily, it's a podcast, and we can stop it right here, and we'll join you with those numbers. I just... I, I thought what I gave you is just fine. Like, look, so... And we've restarted the recording four hours later. Ryan still has not done anything.
0: I'm tired, man. Well, what? it's
1: been four hours. I'm sorry. I'm joking. Okay.
0: <laughs> so... But the point is, is that it's not what it was back in nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. But there's still a huge market out there, you know, a significant, the vast, vast, vast majority of the music buying public has still yet to switch to streaming. And once yep. that eventually happens, once consumer nope. preferences change, what nope. Do you mean nope, nope, nope. No,
1: do I know why? Can I answer your question. What does streaming require? Uh, internet. Not just that. Really, really good internet, right?
0: Sure, yeah, you gotta have, you know, fast internet.
1: Yeah. What happens if the internet goes down? What can't you do?
0: Uh Stream music.
1: Yeah. And I want to ask you, and by I think I know the answer. Do you sometimes have internet outages? In my life? Yes.
0: Yes, there have been times where I've been without internet.
1: Yeah, because the system is not perfect, right? Sure. So there's still very much, even phones, cell phones, don't even work all the time still, right? Sure. So... Either I have to worry about that, or if I've already bought the damn thing and have it on the phone, downloaded, offline, I can do that. And I don't have to worry about internet connection or a buffering or or Wi-Fi or anything like that. you're, You're absolutely right. If only streaming services had some kind of
0: option where once you were a subscribed streaming customer, you could actually download the songs that you want to stream Right to your phone so that you're saved on, so that they're saved on your phone well, as iTunes. if they were any other record. Well, that's iTunes. Well, it's also streaming services. You can do that on Panda, you can do that on Spotify and Apple Music. I have a lot of stuff that I have on my phone that I can listen to offline. So, Apple Music, you were able to download that. I, app, I, I'm an Apple Music subscriber. In addition to listening to music and streaming, I can also take songs and download them to my phone.
1: And you pay a subscription fee for Apple Music, right? Correct. Monthly. Yeah. But if you you stop paying it, you lose it, right? but you're gonna lose your songs, right? So why don't you just download the songs on iTunes? Because I can pay
0: nine ninety nine a month instead of you know paying you know seven or eight dollars for every song album I want to buy. Look, man, you're caught
1: up by big stream, bro.
0: Look, man, you got to get with the times, all right? No, look, I mean, no, I have I've accepted the fact that this is the way the world is now. Artists have accepted the fact that the way that this, the world is now, like. Whether It's not a question of whether or not we think streaming is a good or a bad thing. The market has spoken. This is where we're going. And so we. So what matters, I think, to the industry and what matters to artists is whether or not this can be
1: a sustainable revenue model. And what this study shows is that it can be. All right, we're going to perform an experiment. You're going to take one of the indie artists from this show or whatever, grab some indie artists. You try to get them on a streaming service. We'll do that. I'll take... Uh, I don't know. I'll, just, I'll take Taylor Swift, print a <laughs> just, bunch just of cassette CDs of and we'll see who sells more. Oh yeah. That's, that's, the, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's the one-to-one Apple ratio. Yeah, Apple no, totally. So, but
0: what I, I don't, when I, when I paint this rosy picture, I don't mean to say that, you know, we're completely home free and the industry is saved. There are legitimate uh, implications for all this that we have to look at. We don't know how much of recovery this is going to be. First of all, but there is cause to optimism, but what? Not a title. Yeah, not a title. Let they just give, throw, kick another out another CEO? CEO. My,
1: is, is that their third one? Get it together, title. Yeah, it's a title wave of crap.
0: All right. So, but here's the other implication, especially for artists. And this is something we've talked about on this podcast. Given how lucrative this recovery is becoming and how much growth there can still be, it's now all the more important to make sure that artists, particularly indie artists, are treated fairly in this streaming world. So we need to fight against recording agreements that only entitle artists to a small amount of streaming revenue. There are still labels out there who are treating streaming revenues as if they are regular music royalties, and so you're only getting like 15% of uh, that streaming money that's coming in as opposed to a 50-50 split, which would be more fair.
1: I was going to say, was that also in the article? Did they sort of, uh, by each company, maybe break down the percentage? After after the revenue that the, the recording companies got for the streaming, did they break down... How, how much of that makes its way to the artists? Yeah. No, they don't. But well, this is this is what we're here who, for. Who wrote this article? The music business worldwide, incomplete. <laughs> they get it I N C incomplete.
0: Well, oh, exactly. Well, but that's but we're here to fill the gap because you are savvy enough to know that just because that money makes it to the labels doesn't mean it's eventually going to trickle down to the artists, especially yeah. if we keep constructing record contracts in such a way yeah. that cuts off the streaming yeah, funding.
1: Man. Madoff, man, Madoff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. Made off. They made off with the money. Damn it. Um, and furthermore, Did we... you miss me? I, very much so, man. And we also need to fight for fair treatment for both recording artists and songwriters to get paid higher rates from streaming companies. As we've talked about before, the per stream rates for recording artists is still very low from Spotify and Tidal and, you know, Pandora and all these companies. Mm-hmm. And the rates for songwriters, as we've talked about, are comically low. But a lot of that isn't the streaming company's fault it's because those songwriting rates are being kept low by government ceilings.
1: Do you think songwriters hate vocalists? Because of this streaming issue? Yeah, it's like, I'm writing here doing all this and Johnny Vocal Chords over here comes along and belts out a dude and he gets more money. Whereas the real art's coming from me, man. Those from my words, all right? It's, I'm the one that wanted Hit Me Baby one more time, right? You, that's me talking, man. Not Britney. That's me. It's a 38-year-old man writing that, buddy. You joke, but it actually was because Max Martin wrote Baby one more
0: time, and he was like an old man when he wrote that. Ew. Ew. Well, don't feel bad for Max Martin. He's one of the wealthiest, most successful people in the music business. He's an acclaimed songwriter, producer, and he's doing just Max fine for Martin. himself. Yeah.
1: Um Is his middle name Power?
0: No. He's like some... I don't think Max Martin's actually his real name. He's like some... European guy, Scandinavian, Swedish, something like that.
1: Oh, it's me, Max Martin. There. Watch me write the jams. Yeah. Well, yeah, buddy so, guy. So you're going to make that joke, but that's
0: kind of a little bit about what happened. If you, I don't know if you ever heard the backstory about Baby One More Time. I can't believe we're talking about this on this No, music I don't industry. know the backstory. So haven't you ever wondered why it's like she says, hit me, baby, one more time? Like that's not really a slang that we use in society. Yeah. Like, we, like nobody says hit me. Hit, like, yeah. So basically what happened was Max Martin, for whom English was not his first language, you know, heard, would hear people say, hit me up. Like, oh, uh-huh. hit, me, you know, hit me up, call. And so he just assumed that hit me was just a way to say, you know, get in touch with me. Oh. And so it became hit me, baby, one more time. And it sounds that kind That song's of,
1: about calling back? Yeah. We well, thought it was about domestic violence or... I, I, something, I don't know. And when, when that song came out, I wasn't really thinking of the lyrics as much as Britney... We were like, what? Twelve? Wait a minute! Mm. You're telling me that up in, you know, Britney Spears this is that song's twenty years old?
0: You're telling me like twenty years ago you thought that song came out and that the introduction, first debut song for Britney Spears was a song in which a woman was asking for somebody to beat her once more?
1: No, I didn't think that, but I was also kind of six. What was that? Sixth grade, seventh grade for us. I was kind of focused on the you know Britney Spears aspect of it. <laughs> Same thing with Christina Aguilera and Genie in a Bottle and everything. Mm-hmm. Although now I envision Max Martin going this, like, Okay, what we got? Uh, give me the salted cod, baby, one more time. All right, guys, <laughs> party time, USA. All right, I'm, <laughs> a, I'm a Robin Williams character and Aladdin yes, buddy guy. All right. A little bit. Yes. So oh, I'm making my way uptown and walking slow, buddy guy. <laughs> I think that's something upon a new character I think Ryan I th-
0: yeah like Max Martin although I'm not even sure if that's what he sounds like at all you might be like character assassinating him at this point all right
1: Oh, it's okay, Ryan. I well, could go.
0: Let's compose ourselves. Elena coming up next on the Break the Business Podcast. Dude, Nashville did a guy, Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business: Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. She is a Nashville-based country pop singer-songwriter and multi-time recipient of the Tennessee Songwriters Association International Female Songwriter of the Year Award. Her new EP, Wicked City, is available for pre-order now on Pledge Music and will be released on June 9th. Check her out at elenasmusic.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are happy to welcome back Elena on the Break the Business podcast. Elena, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me
0: back. It's an honor to be here. Oh, um, If we have it our way, we'll have you on much more often. It is a treat to have you. We had you on the show back in March of last year, and we're thrilled to have you on again. Now, just to catch the listeners up, last time we had you on... Where you were in your life, you were wrapping up the a successful Kickstarter campaign for your EP, The Wrong Side. And now we have you on again, timing wonderful, fresh off another successful crowdfunding effort for your new EP, Wicked City. Congratulations to you and your fans.
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate
0: that. I couldn't do this without them. Yeah. Um a great achievement for you, great achievement for them. Everybody wins with crowdfunding. We love it. And since you've had multiple successes at crowdfunding with your music projects, we figured it would be valuable to pick your brain, get some tips from you because I know there's a lot of listeners out there who want to be able to do the stuff that you do with crowdfunding. So first off, What were you able to learn from the wrong side crowdfunding effort that you were able to apply and make the most of on this most recent crowdfunding campaign?
2: Well, I definitely learned, you know, the basics of crowdfunding. Um, And then the platform I used this time was different. It was Pledge Music as opposed to Kickstarter. So um, the way that they did things was a little differently. Um, I had to set it up differently. It took a little bit. Um, of communication back and forth with the people that run Pledge Music. So it was just a little bit of a different campaign, and I, I'm still learning about it, really.
0: Sure. Well, let me ask you this uh, with respect to that, because um, you did use Kickstarter on the 2016 crowdfunding campaign, and you went with Pledge Music this time, and there are artists out there who swear by each of those platforms. We, you know, There are some people that are in that Kickstarter camp and some people who love Pledge Music. For you, what drove the decision for you to go with Pledge Music this time around?
2: Um, I have learned so much more about counting sales of um, EP, you know, your CD and music and everything. And uh, I was told that Pledge Music um, is connected with um, what's it called, SoundScan, and uh, they count you know, how many units you sell through pledge music. Um, now Kickstarter doesn't do that. So I went with, uh, pledge music mainly because of that reason. And just cause I wanted to try something different too.
0: Oh, I see. So really it's kind of, it's sort of a trade-off. I mean, on one hand Kickstarter is the more known platform, you know, in, cause it's yeah. kind of known throughout, but pledge music you're saying seems to really maybe cater more to your specific work because it's so music focused.
2: Yeah. They also added shipping costs too, which was really interesting that Kickstarter didn't do that. And, um, I budgeted a certain amount of shipping costs for when I had my Kickstarter and I didn't know that I was going to have so many international orders. And so I was a little bit like, I mean, actually a lot, I was going over a lot on my shipping costs. So, um, the fact that they count in shipping costs is really cool.
0: Well, that's great. Yeah. And whenever we have artists come on and talk about crowdfunding campaigns that's the that's the always the secret killer for them they always say man i did not budget for or prepare for what the shipping costs were going to be especially when you get to where you are where a lot of your fans or as you call them so delightfully the elaniacs are now apparently all over the world and so you know when you start getting into the world of international shipping it's it's a whole new ball game with crowdfunding it really can make it uh, quite challenging and exciting
2: Oh my gosh, I had no idea. I was like so unprepared. I just didn't know that I had like fans in like Finland and Italy, and it was crazy. I had, man, I had shipped, I shipped packages to 35 different United, uh, US states and 12 different countries around the world. So I budgeted 250 for shipping costs, and it actually ended up being $500. So Ooh. I was like, oh crap.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. And,
2: yeah.
0: Uh, well, uh, I'm glad that you you survived <laughs> and you're. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, you no, it was okay. Yeah, it
2: was fine. <laughs> well, thank, thank
0: goodness and uh, and kudos to having fan, uh, the, the fact having fans all over the place. Uh, the Elaniacs, no, no borders. Um, yes. On your two <laughs> crowdfunding campaigns for the Wrong Side and for uh, your new EP, Wicked City, that's uh, coming out June 9th, and pre-orders are available now. In both of those projects, you set out to fund an EP instead of, say, a full album. What do you like about the EP format? Why, does, why do you keep coming back to that one?
2: Um, just because I want to try and put my strongest songs out there. I guess with an album, you know, there's more chance of showing, like, uh, I guess what you would call like a weak track. And um, I'm also trying to always put my music out to industry people and they would prefer an EP over an album. So there's no knocking an album. I think it's great. It's also um, for me, you know, the way that I do things and record, would be less expensive than an album.
0: Oh yeah. Well, it's an it's an important lesson for artists in this new music industry. The kind of the way you're going to release your music, it's it's going to be context specific to who you are as an artist and what you're trying to do. There are artists who still swear by the traditional 12 track album. And we have some artists who just like to put out singles and just, you know, keep a constant stream of music out there. And you have folks like Elena who, who benefit from the EP format, which gives you the benefit of the, you know, having multi songs and sort of a, you know, good tangible release product, but also gives you the flexibility of fewer tracks so that you can put your strong stuff out there. And if you're trying to get the attention of industry people, as Elena put it, uh, you you can you can keep uh, a lot of quality in one track. So it makes perfect sense, and I'm glad that uh, both of these projects have been such home runs for you.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah, I've had people um, suggest to me uh, you know around town they're like, hey, Elena, you know why don't you put out like a single every month or every other month or so? And so I'm kind of contemplating, pondering, doing that, but I just wanted to do this project. It gives me kind of more like a goal. You know I get to like pick out the songs and then tweak them, you know, to aim for this one release date. Whereas if I put out one song at a time, um I might look back and be like, "Oh no, I should have tweaked that before I released it. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> sure. I mean, there's still something to be said for kind of having that release event, you know, something where you can where you can build the whole launch process around it. And the EP and the LP maybe more are conducive, are more conducive to that than putting out individual songs. I mean, I've seen some artists, the ones who can really crank out a lot of content who don't pick and choose. They do both. They, they'll put out, you know, songs consistently, uh, sometimes a song a month, sometimes a song a week for the, for the really, you know, really dedicated, crazy artists out there. And then they'll pick the best ones and kind of, you know, make those into EPs and LPs so that you can still cater to all the different kinds of music consumers out there. And And I can tell you, I mean, I I can already hear the Eleniacs getting pretty excited at the prospect of of you putting out singles and getting even more content from you. That's got to be fun for them.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm always, you know, releasing regular YouTube videos, so I put a lot of my originals on that um, on my channel, but they're just like acoustic. You know, I just kind of want to put them out there and see what my eleniacs think about
0: the song oh that's great you can sort of workshop stuff and and your artists always or your fans always have a chance to hear from you they don't have to you know you don't go radio silent in between eps i think that's fantastic yeah so um speaking oh, of course and speaking of this ep uh can you tell us uh for the folks who haven't pre-ordered it yet and uh, haven't had a chance to you know get into some of this stuff uh can you tell people what they can expect from wicked city
2: um, you can expect a new sound. I'm really, really excited about it. Um, I found a new producer. Um, he's not like with the label or anything, but he's really, really talented. And when I first heard his stuff, I was so excited. It's a little bit more on the poppy side, which I love because I grew up listening to pop and rock and slowly got into country, like Dixie Chicks and Shania Twain, because they made it sound poppy. So I love this, and I feel like
0: it's just really, really neat. Well, I mean, you've always had kind of a pop sound with your music, so this seems like a natural progression for you. I'm pretty excited for it. And for those people who are in the Nashville area, you got a couple cool Nashville things coming up pretty soon. You're going to be at CMA Fest, and you're doing the Daring Divas show. Can you tell the folks about uh, what these things are about and how they can check you out?
2: Yeah, my friend um, Brittany Bexton, she's an artist. She started... The Daring Diva show um, a few years ago. And so every year it's during CMA Fest, um, either the Friday or Saturday of that week. And she picks a location, and it's female only um, artists around Ford. And um, you can buy tickets on her website. They're $10 for general admission. And we also offer um, a VIP ticket which is um, you can get lunch with us. You can eat lunch with the Daring Divas and you'll also get um, an eight by 10 photo of us signed. Oh, that's... So it's really fun. It's just to um, promote female um, artists and um, yeah, I, it's my second year with it and I'm really excited to be well,
0: back. We're big fans about that, uh, about that kind of empowerment around here. So that sounds really, really exciting. And yeah, um... I'm just a big fan of everything you've been up to. You're, you're one of my favorite interviews on this show, and it's uh, really cool to see the stuff you're doing with your crowdfunding and your songwriting. And we want to add more people to this this Alaniacs fan base of yours. Can you let the fans know where people can find you?
2: Yeah. Um, I'm always on social media, um, Facebook. You can just search Alana. It's about A-L-A-Y-N-A. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, um, Snapchat. Snapchat, blah, <laughs> YouTube, <laughs> and then my official website is com.
0: Wonderful. And now before we let you go, and I, I really hope we do not have as much time in between our interviews as we did this time, but um, before we let you go and before we talk to you again someday, d- can you give us uh, any last tips you have for the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward?
2: Yeah, I would say um, stay passionate. Um, work very hard, uh, set yourself a schedule, and stay sober. <laughs>
0: That's, that makes perfect sense. Uh, get an, uh, go ahead and pre-order that uh, uh, her new EP, Wicked City. You can do that now on Pledge Music and get yourself the copy when it's released on June 9th. And check her out at alaynasmusic.com. Elena, thank you so much for joining us this week.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that.
0: We'll
1: be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Friend of the show, John Ratzenberger here with Ryan Carella, author of Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry, available on Amazon.com.
0: Ryan, tell the folks a little about the book. Well, the book's about empowering Well, artists. that's
1: fascinating, Ryan, but it's only a 15-second commercial. Thanks.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Elena for joining us in the previous second, a friend of the show indeed. Be sure to get a copy of her new EP, Wicked City, coming out June 9th. And always check her out at her website, www.alaynasmusic.com.
1: The good thing is you got confirmation, Guy, that uh, talk
0: like this. That, uh, yes, we listened to Max Martin uh, on a accepting a Grammy Award for Producer of the Year and I think he's very Swedish. He's a little Swedish. You're hamming it up a little bit. Uh,
1: I've got the uh, Ryan Buddy Guy here. I've got my uh, my assistant in the uh, recording studio. Say hello, buddy. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the sort of track we wrote that won the Grammy. All right, Buddy Guy. Hey Ryan, do you want to guess my favorite guitar player is Buddy Guy?
0: Um I'm guessing buddy guy. No.
1: <laughs> it's a it's uh it's it's a pickled herring playing a guitar. A <laughs> I think you're
0: exaggerating. Like his voice is like we listen to the him speak. His his voice Max Martin mildly Swedish. You are...
1: Oh, I couldn't understand a word. You either. are Swedish
0: chefing it. And by the way... Yes. Let's... I mean, first of all, I love Swedish chef. He's one of my favorite Muppet characters. Whenever I hear that voice, I immediately start cracking up. But... Bored. Bored, bored. Don't do it, all right? I'm not going to be able to focus. Right. Hey, hey oh, Ryan. You weren't, you weren't here like a couple... I should... Oh. Real quick. A couple of years ago, I ha- we did an episode of the podcast. You weren't here. Uh, Evan was in that week. Uh-huh. And we talked all about like the fact that I have an unnaturally weird... Love for Swedish Chef. Whenever I hear that voice, I start cracking up. So just please y- don't don't abuse that.
1: Ryan, what's the Swedish Chef's favorite? What's what is the Swedish Chef's favorite Star Trek villain? Uh, what Borg?
0: <laughs> Let me ask because. <laughs> You're you're just like ripping on Max Martin's voice as Swedish chef. Are the Swedes a group that we're just allowed to make fun of? I feel like you know you're you're bordering on a fe- like. There's Swedish people listening to this. who are very upset
1: right Johann now. Johan Haig and Amana Marth said I'm an honorary Viking when i because I've been to their shows. Okay, so it's okay for you to be. I'm I'm honorarily Swede ish. <laughs> uh, you know I'm I'm kind of ish. Yeah, yeah gotcha. Oh, that's that Zach Galifianakis joke. I know a guy that. Kind of doesn't eat pork and kind of goes to worship on Saturday. You know, he's Jewish. <laughs> it is funny. You never heard that one? No? no, I've never heard that one. That's,
0: that's very, very clever.
1: All right. Oh, so yeah. So Trip was fun and everything. Saw Metallica. That was awesome, of yeah. course. Funny thing about MetLife Stadium is, by the way, most aproposly, the best place to see a Metallica show, MetLife. No, i that's gonna... not a joke. No, oh. that's not a fucking joke. Then, then it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reality.
0: If it's a joke, don't give me the, hey, are you going to play the button? No, you know, I thought
1: it's like, hey, recognize the awesomeness that I go to MetLife because I'm a freaking MetLife for myself in the Met family to see Metallica. You gave me the look that you give me when you want me to hit the rim shot button. Mm-hmm. Listen, Mr. Miami Freerunning and Parkour Academy, call now for lessons. Um, oh, I didn't realize I was wearing that shirt. You are. Okay. I figured I'd give him a quick shout out. I appreciate that. It's my cousin's company. So Yeah, all right. Do you want to be like Altair? Join the Miami Free Running and Parkour Academy. It's an Assassin's Creed reference. Okay. okay. Oh, never mind. You don't get it. I haven't played an Assassin's Creed game in a long time. Probably never. Anyway. But, so, Metallica was great. Girlfriend enjoyed the show, which was I was worried about. But yeah. she enjoyed it. She was even singing along for some of the new songs, which was nice. No, she's, so, she's, she's gotten into it through you. It's, you know, baby steps and everything. Not like the old thrash stuff, but like the more hard rock era type stuff. But you know, so baby steps. Okay, so right now you have sort of a strategy to kind
0: of slowly get her into Metallica. Are there ever, are, are there still like parts of your Metallica love that you have to kind of keep hidden from her? Yes, until kill them she's all, ready? ride the lightning, master
1: puppets, and justice for all. Oh, you haven't, she has not been, she doesn't really like the thrash stuff. Oh, yeah, and d- d- yeah, it doesn't like the sort of the growling sort of stuff,
0: which. I like. So what does she want like uh, Metallica folk? Like acoustic Metallica?
1: No or? more like maybe it like I said some of this some of the stuff on uh, Hardwired to Self Destruct has that more hard rock element. Too. It has a more load reload vibe. Mm-hmm. You know. Which was that sort of like more hard rock vibe in the 90s as opposed to you know the thrash of the 80s. So, you know. So it sounds like she kind of
0: likes the Metallica music that most hardcore Metallica fans don't like that era of their career.
1: No, no I, I well I don't that's sort of like oh, everything sucks after you know it in, and in, justice or black. It's like, eh, shut up,
0: <laughs> just shut up. Like, but do you think she's ever gonna get that much into it, or do you always no. just kind of have to keep that part no. hermetically sealed from her?
1: I don't think so, and nor do I need her to, because I love her. Aww. Aww, and I don't need to change her and mold her into something, you know. <laughs> Unlike Ryan here, it's actually quite sad what he does. He he dresses his wife and break the business. Merch and shirts and all that stuff all the time. It's, it's quite sad. I actually make her carry a stack of Break the Business books everywhere she goes. Yeah. True story. When Ryan went to China to visit his uh, wife's family, especially up a Northern Child, then apparently there was uh, like a kid kind of like hungry on the side of the road. And he said, Hey, guy, what's, the, what's going on here? Here, this will sustain anyone who knows a copy of Break the Business. It wasn't even in Mandarin. Well, I mean, look. Actually, it was in Cantonese. Look. And he told the kid, Learn the real language, kid. You give and Then you a- punched him. <laughs>
0: I mean, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. I gave this starving child the tools to achieve success in the new music industry on their own terms. That's yes. it was basically giving them like piles of fish.
1: Exactly, and I'm sure in China the new music industry is there. oh
0: booming. You, I mean, because when I think of a a country that respects its internet and
1: net oh, neutrality, yeah. it's China. Oh my God, <laughs> it's it's great. It's it's you know what. They realize, oh my God, dude, there's so many options online. How do people, how, they, how are they going to choose? You know what? Let's do them a favor, bro. We're going to do you guys a favor. Is that what you don't have to think about all the websites you can go? Here's where, here's, here's yeah. the list you should go to. I mean, right. just, we like, scouted it out. And these are the cool ones. I mean, who wants to spend
0: all day like trying to find the web they enjoy? Sometimes I just want somebody to tell me, here are the websites you can go to. And... You know, maybe I want to check, you know, and and maybe, you know, I'd feel the urge to Google and find more choices. Well, sometimes it'd just be nice if
1: that website just wasn't there. Yeah, man. And like what? The Enlightenment? You don't need that, buddy. Like Hobbes and Locke and the Declaration of the Rights of Man? What guy? What are you talking about? You don't need that. (laughs) Man. Ooh, we got political all of a sudden. Seriously. Geopolitical implications? 18th century political treatises. In this
0: John Locke reference on this podcast. Who saw that coming? Yes. Um, do you have any like so any, any like crazy things happen on the road? You did a lot of driving. Uh,
1: there's a lot of dead animals on the side of the road in Ohio and Pennsylvania and Kentucky. It's a bummer. How many states did you drive through, man? Thirteen. Woo. Florida, Georgia. By, oh, screw
0: Georgia. Oh, okay. All right. Let's let's hear this. What
1: happened? Well, because every apparently their motto is, "Hey guys, if we're gonna have a car accident, let's fucking do this right and close lanes." That's a mandate to the citizens of Georgia. It better not be a fender bender. You better shut stuff down.
0: <laughs> it actually says on the Georgia flag, like in Latin, you know, when we, when we have any car accident, we close lanes. Yeah. All right. This is our revenge for Sherman. No oh, man, even more. Uh, oh, now, well, now at least your references are in the 19th century now. You're slowly working your way back to present yeah.
1: day. So, anyway, screw those guys. But yeah, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, Jersey, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, then back
0: to but Georgia, Florida. You're, you lease your car, brother. Like, that's a lot of miles to put on a lease.
1: I'll do the Ferris Bueller and crack open the odometer and just, you know, roll <laughs> it back or drive backwards. Does that actually work? I'm sure it does. Because I
0: mean, it didn't. I mean, because really, we've only seen it attempted once in the history of the world, and it was in Ferris Bueller, and but, it didn't work for them. But
1: remember, though, that's you know, Ferris Bueller doesn't exist. That's just the it's 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 Tyler Durden for Cameron. Tyler. Oh, You've never heard that theory? No. Watch Ferris that Bueller. That's a figment of his imagination. That is Fight Club. That Ferris Bueller is a creation of Cameron. He's who he wants. He because Cameron is the sort of like afraid of his dad, doesn't want to go outside. He's very shy and just introverted. Ferris Bueller is the exact opposite. He's the guy that everyone loves. He's the one that everyone in the school tries to help. He's got the great girlfriend and everything. That's who he wants to be. So I kind of like this theory. So he do, Ferris Bueller doesn't exist.
0: But so now. In in this in this interpretation of Ferris Bueller, is Cameron actually out in the world still doing these things, and there's just like an you know a person nobody sees, or is this all because he's sick in bed and that the whole thing is just a fever dream? Ooh, Jacob's ladder. That's what you know, I, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm curious. Like I, like I wanted. To... I think it's more Fight Club more than Jacob's ladder. Okay, because I feel like that he's actually out in the world doing these things, but he thinks it's Ferris. But like so he goes to the Museum of art by himself. He goes to the Cubs game by himself. He go, he's in the parade by himself. But, but, it, but is the parade happening or is he
0: completely imagining the parade? Parade's too?
1: happening because we see the uh, the shot of the dad enjoying the parade. Yeah. But now what about the
0: random group of people like on the stairway snapping their fingers and dancing to twist and shout? Is that
1: real? I think that's real, even though that was a a mind-boggling scene. Like, why does that exist? It doesn't
0: make any sense.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's still real.
0: It's sort of like the choreographed dance scene in She's All That at prom, where somehow... I don't remember
1: that. I remember the movie. I just don't remember that scene.
0: Really? Really. It's kind of like the most iconic scene in the movie. There's a a scene at the prom where just suddenly all of the characters in the movie do a perfectly choreographed dance sequence in the middle of prom, which looked cool, except it doesn't make any sense. How would they know... That they were all gonna do a dance together. Well, they've
1: been working on it since the first day of school. Well,
0: that's actually what they did is they must have like recorded it later, but there's a line of dialogue right before they start dancing where like the one black person, the one cool black kid in the whole movie, you know, gets on the mic and says, All right, dance group, let's did what we practiced, and then they do the sequence. Yeah. And you Tina, know that Yeah, Tina, watch for the changes, honey. Yeah. And you know, like, they just threw that in on the back end because they played, they must have played that scene for focus groups. And they're like, what the hell is this? Why would they? Ryan, know how Dave's to dance? Movie
1: Minute, go. Fine. Live from the Brown Derby and Hollywood and Vine in sunny and beautiful Hollywood, California. It's Dave's Movie Minute. Come on in while we discuss motion pictures, stars, and all the goings on around town. I wanted to talk about She's All That. You cut me off. Now we have to play it again. Really? Part of the contract. Live from the Brown Derby and Hollywood and Vine in sunny and beautiful Hollywood, California, it's Dave's Moving Minute. Come on in while we discuss motion pictures, stars, and all the goings on around town. Ryan, the, the single piece of news that everyone around town is talking about from Hollywood all the way to the Cannes Film Festival. Boss Baby 2, already with a release date, Ryan. March 2021. Whoa. 2021? The people have been clamoring for it, Ryan. Everyone is in the streets yelling more Boss Baby. 20- boss Baby's going to be a boss kindergartner by then. Considering I have no idea what the plot of the movie is, because I never, I didn't see it, because why would I? I have no clue. I mean, it's a baby, and he's clearly an authority figure. Yeah, well, what? apparently, uh, the movie's made $460 million worldwide. No. Yeah. No. Yep. That's horrifying. Over 100, like, I think it was like 150 here in the U.S. It's been very quietly making a ton of money. I mean, that's got to
0: be the highest grossing movie of Alec Baldwin's career, and by far, right? Ooh,
1: that's actually interesting. Like,
0: that's, how, how how upset must Alec Baldwin be by that, in a way? I mean, he's probably really happy at the moment, but... Like one day, he's going to look at himself in
1: the mirror and be like, the, My career achievement is authority figure, baby. No, I think it's a career achievement. It's probably going to be, it's going to, the, the tombstone's going to read Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, five minutes, Boss Baby, <laughs> and uh, Saturday Night Live. And Saturday Night Live, yeah. yeah. See, now you want me to look up online what we're talking I do, I want you
0: to look up. I, think, I, w- I want to see if Alan, Alec Baldwin has grossed more in any movie other than Boss Baby. Why are they waiting so long? I mean, if you're going to do a sequel. Why wait four years to put out? That's a long time in Hollywood to make sequels. Like I'm going to completely forget about Boss Baby by then. I had already really? forgotten I... about Boss Baby until you brought up, brought the baby up just now. Let's see, Lifetime. Well, while while you look that up, I'm going to talk more about she's all that because that scene was just ridiculous, and you can tell they just shoehorn that one line of dialogue. All right, well, dance Okay, club. no,
1: this is this, okay. So this is de- so right now. What do, what do you think? This is actually Douglas' movies game. This is funny. What do you think? Is Alec Baldwin's top three grossing films? Really? Top three
0: now this is a movie, any movie that Alec Baldwin has been in. That, is, yes. he doesn't have to be like the star.
1: Right. These are movies that Alec Baldwin has been in. And if I want you can even give me ones that you think he would be up top because like you know he's a star.
0: Well, because well, here's the thing is that when I think of like Alec Baldwin movies, I think of Glengarry Glen Ross, which I don't think is in his top three because um you know, it's just an old movie. And I guess I'm guessing these aren't adjusted for inflation. What else is Alex Baldwin? I mean, I know by the way, Glenn Gary, Glenn
1: Ross number 38 with 10 million yeah, and 725,000.
0: Wow. So Boss Baby beat perhaps his best acting performance by 40 fold. Actually, these are not, yeah, these are not adjusted for inflation. I don't know why. That makes sense. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, top, I'm, I'm, top three, I'm, guessing, go. I'm guessing Boss Baby's number one, but I can't, I, I couldn't for
1: the life of me tell I you. Said two and three. Three. I said top three. I don't, I got nothing. You suck. I think of him as a TV actor. Boss Baby, right now, number four. What? Right now, America, 168, 957,000. That's really shocking. 168 million, I'm sorry, yes. All right, give me the next one. Number three, what could
0: possibly be higher
1: than that? Madagascar, Escape to Africa. I didn't know he was in that. With 180 million. Number two, at 195 million, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. Okay, and coming at number one, in number one, the highest-grossing Alec Baldwin movie, Pearl Harbor, with 198 million. Really, yeah. boy, he was, but he was terrible in that, and he was barely in it. And he
0: was. He was awful. James Doolittle. He was awful. He was He, awful. he, he, he was the
1: awful thing. He, I mean,
0: like there was plenty of awful in that movie. He, boy, and that's hard to say because, like, I mean, there was bad in that movie, and like the whole romantic subplot was ridiculous. But Alec Baldwin might have been might have been the worst
1: thing about that movie. Beetlejuice number thirteen. Alec Paul, oh yeah? Yeah, hello. All right, just just give it... All right, so, yeah, boss baby. Apparently people are clamoring Ryan? Yep. It's the year 2017, right? It sure is. We've made a lot of progress, right? I I mean, i like to think so. has some fits and starts. Last year was kind of scary, but we've come a long way, baby. Ryan, would you be shocked to hear that there is still discrimination in the world? Or even that there's discrimination in the United States of America? In this country... In 2017, I would bro. like...
0: That's a little shocking to me. I'd like to think we were more enlightened than that.
1: Well, dude, you're wrong. Because one of the most maligned, historically undervalued, powerless groups of people has been attacked again, Ryan. Oh, gosh. I'd hate to hear that. What what happened? Men, Ryan. <laughs> men. <laughs> and g- given, <laughs> given the social media reaction, white men, Ryan. Oh. oh. When's the... Ryan, when's the last time a white guy had any power? When's it gonna be our turn? Exactly, Ryan. Well, according to the Alamo Draft House, never for one movie showing. I did hear about this. Go on, this is funny. Wonder Woman, which comes out next weekend, a symbol, if you will, of feminism and female empowerment. Sure. You'd almost say if you she's a, a Wonder Woman. <laughs> Alamo Draft House decided, hey, this is a pretty big deal. I got an idea it quote from the Alamo Draft House apologies gentlemen but we're embracing our girl power and saying no guys allowed for one special night at the Alamo Ritz and we say women and people who identify as women only we mean it everyone working at this screening venue staff projectionist and culinary team will be female
0: okay that sounds nice yeah and they, you know they even threw like the Important nod to the LGBT community, and it's a celebration Exa- of womanhood, which makes sense yes. because it's Wonder Woman. It sounds delightful.
1: Yes. And it, for a special screening, like one time at the Alamo Drafthouse, which has multiple theaters, Ryan, dudes went crazy. Really? Yeah. It's a little predictable, yeah. This one guy, great. Let us know when you have guys-only screenings of Thor, Spider-Man, Star Wars, et cetera. Let's see you walk the walk. Now you set this precedence. But then someone pointed out, I think you meant precedent. Alamo Drafthouse replied, Very sorry if you feel excluded. We thought it might be kind of fun for one screening to celebrate a character who's meant a great deal to women for close to eight decades. <laughs> Alamo Drafthouse, Will there be a male-only screening for Thor Ragnarok or a special screening for IT that's only... Oh, wait. A special... I'm an idiot. Or a special uh, wait, screening what? for it... Because the, oh. the guy's... Yeah. <laughs> Right. I, I've been off the show for a while. Or there'll be a special screening for it that only, that's only for those who identify as clowns. <gasps> Alamo Drafthouse. We might actually have to steal that clown idea. Thanks, Ryan. Is his name Ryan? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. That's unfortunate. And this one guy. Have you ever hosted a men's only showing of any film? Heh. <laughs> I added the heh. Alamo Drafthouse. We've never done showings where you had to be a man to get in. But we did show the Entourage movie a few years ago.
0: <laughs> it's kind of the same thing, yeah.
1: Yes. And, uh, you know, that's, that's funny. Isn't it? Yeah, is Despite the outrage, the tickets for those uh, screenings sold out immediately. And uh, it is very sad for the folks in Austin, Texas, and maybe even the men across the country that all theaters have been shut down nationwide, except yeah. for the Alamo Ritz in Austin, Texas, yeah. that is only allowing a select few women who have bought tickets. It's sad. Every single AMC, Regal, United Artists, Cobb, what have you, independent, have closed for them not to be able to see this movie.
0: I mean that is funny, man. And we're talking about Hollywood. I mean this yeah. is a like an like a, like a place where I mean, and especially in superhero movies, where you know every every one of these movies, it's like five or six superheroes to every one. It's a female. walking bottle of testosterone right. and steroids. That's the superhero. Right. Like, I mean, Captain America Civil War had like, what, two or three female superheroes and only one of them actually had superpowers. And I'm guessing if you look at the salaries of all the people that were in that movie, uh, I'm yeah. guessing Scarlet Witch got Scarlet Shafted. But all we can... That, that, that sounded funnier in my head. And so there's so much... Shut up! There's so much discrimination that just permeates this whole industry Against men. uh,
1: Yes, clearly against men. That when we want to throw women one bone, this is what happens. Think of it. Think of all the roles that Meryl Streep has had, right? How many of them went to men? Mm. Florence Foster Jenkins? No man there. (laughs) The Devil Wears Prada character, the head of the magazine? Could have been a man. Could have been the tooch. Stanley Tucci right there. The tooch. (laughs) You know? Uh, Sophie's Choice, about a mother having to make a horrible choice. Uh, they could have gone with a dad, bro. Why couldn't both Kramers be men? Exactly. Oh, dude. That, hello? Why didn't they Eddie Murphy and have him play both characters? Like, I mean, Kramer versus Kramer should have been man against man. Like, what are you doing having men fight women? It's ridiculous. Yeah, two men can be dads, right, bro? Yeah, bro. Yeah, I, I feel like this, this guy is a weird amalgamation. Like, what does he want in life? <laughs> What is he after? I know. it's Because on one hand,
0: he hates women, but he seems unusually progressive when it comes to LGBT rights.
1: So These, I mean, he's kind of all over the place. That's right. These guys that have a problem with this, oh, man. Like, what mommy issues did they man, have? Man,
0: like, okay, I, 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 the quote, like, there's, there's a saying about this, and, and, like, for some reason it's getting away. But it's something like, you know, when you're used to being in power, like, any attempt at, you know, equality, like, feels like oppression. Yeah, And so that's kind of, I mean, I, I don't know if I got the quote exactly no, right, no, but that's no, what's that's, happening. Like,
1: yeah, the whole thing is, like, people see others trying to be equal as then a bringing down of other yeah. people. It's like, no, 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 it's just, let's, we're trying to get equal. No one's trying to put any the whole point is no one's above people. Right. It's equal. It's like, well, no, 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 you're not e- getting it, idiot. It's equal. <laughs> it's not two and three, it's two and two.
0: Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, that's, it's, it's unbelievable. And, like, the, I mean, the fact that, get this, bro.
1: Ugh. And I, 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 you know what I heard of Ryan? Girl Scouts? What is that, bro? A whole the, the boys can't even join? What is that, man? Can you imagine how upset women would be if there was a scouting club for boys only? Duh. <laughs> yeah. you won't see that in this lifetime, bro. Gosh.
0: And, and 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 I'm guessing that the men that are posting that those tweets right now are probably so misogynistic that they weren't even going to go see Wonder Woman to begin with.
1: I, whatever, they're idiots.
0: Like, I'll, 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 like I'll, but, I'm going to do you see those? But I'm saying, but do you see those guys actually going to see Wonder Woman? Like, I'm guessing the only time they're seeing Gal Gadot is if, like, you know, they're alone in their basement mm. and she's in Maxim or something. Like there's, <laughs> there's no way that those people are actually paying money to see Wonder Woman. So they just want to be yeah. jerks.
1: Oh, and great job casting uh, Warner's. Oh, I guess what you gave it to Gal Gadot because her name is Gal. She's a gal. <laughs> what man? You don't think freaking Kevin Klein's got range? <laughs> Kevin. They're,
0: they're, they're, they're definitely uh, going to have to be waiting. John Ratzenberger can't be Wonder you Woman? You stepped on my waiting for Godot joke. Never mind. Oh. No, no, fine. No, it's, it's over. John-, John Ratzenberger can be Wonder Woman.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a pretty cool island we got here. And uh, look, there's a World War I plane crashing. Yeah, that's interesting how it's World War I. Normally, uh, these sort of pictures are more up to date. You wonder if people are going to get this. What are you talking about? No, no, no. This is going to be in the movie. I'm not stopping. <laughs> this is the take. Yeah. Okay, this is the take, Zack Snyder.
0: So the way he says Zack Snyder. Yeah. All anyway, right. hand me the pig. The what? Hand me the pig. The pi- oh, because he was... Toy
1: Story. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. I don't care, it is. I still work for
0: Disney. This is all in the movie. Well, I mean, it makes sense of that he would be in that movie, yeah. seeing as he has experience in what movie? Superman 2, right? Superman 2, yes. Superman yeah, 2.
1: Still yeah. in theaters. <laughs> all right. But speaking of older oh, films actually okay. in theaters, uh, very sad. Roger Moore passed away. Uh, earlier this week, um, I love James Bond. He was a good Bond, the longest tenured Bond. Ryan seven films all the way from *Live and Let Die* to *A View to a Kill*. And for on May thirty first and June second, AMC theaters and you can go online to see if your local AMC theater is participating. But there's a heck of a lot that are are going to be showing a double feature of. Which one? Oh, I got here. Uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, and for your eyes only. And Ryan's eyes are glazed over. He doesn't care about Roger Moore. And uh, the proceeds to that go to UNICEF, which Ryan hates with a passion. Oh, what a bad time to glaze over. Yep, UNICEF, the United Nations charity for specifically for kids, which Ryan could care less about. Ryan one time told went to UNICEF in New York City, and uh, while he was in law school, and said, uh, "Hey, how about uh, instead of donating money, you donate my book." Break the business, declaring independence. I just, success want, in the music I just industry. want to empower people, man. And then when a kid asked him, can I declare my independence from hunger? He said, ha no. Do you want to know why I was
0: glazed over? Because I was actually thinking about um, just how crappy of a week this has been losing Roger Moore and Greg Ullman. And you have the, uh, the Manchester bombing like this was rough. And I was thinking about losing Chris Cornell last week. And I actually wanted to, and I'm so glad I remember this because I made a mental note to ask you this question because it was James Bond related for this week. So we lost Chris Cornell. Do you think that, you know, my name by Chris Cornell is the best of the James Bond songs.
1: What a way to bring this all down at the very end. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I, I'm just, I'm just, want, cause like I, when I was having a right, monologue right, right, right. about this on the show and I, I was like, I think it is, but I, I wanted to ask the James Bond expert.
1: It's it's a top one for me. I, some people don't like it. I don't know why. I really love that song. But no, to me, if you want a number one Bond song, is going to have to be a Shirley Bassey song. Oh, that's true. I mean, you you went classic there. I guess that makes sense. I mean, anything she's done. Obviously, Diamonds Are Forever are great. Like the bassline in it, Goldfinger is great. What she should have had is the theme song for Quantum of Solace. <laughs> But they went with that Jack White, Alicia Rihanna. Keys. Rihanna. Well, it was Jack White and Rihanna, wasn't it? No, it was Alicia Keys. Really? What are you doing there, buddy? Wow, I don't know. It's Alicia Keys. I'm going to look that up. It's Alicia Keys. Bet you the house. Shake right now. Shake oh. right now. Shake right now. I'm not going to shake. Shake. I'm not going to shake. I'm going to look. Right. He shook. Listeners, you're, you're no? all witnesses. You're right. Jack, See, Jack he, White and Le- all right. Rishkes. I didn't shake your head. You're hand. all witnesses. Our you all saw the shit.
0: Elena, for joining us in the previous segment. My thanks to you, Dave. Thank you all for listening to the Break the Business podcast. Have a happy
1: Memorial Day. Yeah. See you next week.